What up, what up, what up, what up, though? And welcome back to another episode of Black Friday as your weekly source of black business. Y'all already know how we do. So let's go ahead and get straight to it. Pulling up to the podcast this week is none other than Miss Morgan Brian. Morgan is a true professional in the entertainment space using her gift of acting and production in order to develop the company Heal Be Live. And their mission is simple. They're using art to heal a variety of communities through guided discussions and connections to available resources. And I took that straight from the website. But in our interview, Morgan goes into detail about how her personal struggles helped her develop Heal Be Live in order to help others heal through art. Oh, and one more thing. Y'all going to learn about a little term called artivism. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Oh, it's good. You are now in oh, the by Despite Jones. Fridays, Miss Morgan, Brian, how you doing today? Hi, Denzel. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm appreciative that you took the time to come on to the podcast today because I really want to get into the work that you've been doing with your business, uh, He'll Be Live, and then more importantly, you as an entertainer and a performer as well. So what I wanted to kind of start with was you use a term called artivism, so combining art and activism. And I wanted to ask for the general public, because I don't know if I fully understand it yet, what does that mean to you? And then also, how can somebody become an artivist? Awesome question. Um, I do want to say, first off, that the honor and pleasure is all mine. Um, you're like a character wise you're like a living legend it's a very solid thorough dude with uh who's always moved with integrity and it's the, the highest level of character so um, i'm i'm grateful that um you saw it fit for for me to share this platform with you um so yeah artivism i really like how you phrased that question of like what does it mean to me uh, I always call myself a self-proclaimed artivist because that is what made sense for my gifts. Um, I've never, even though I've tried, done well at fitting into boxes. And so artivism for me is what brought everything that I was about together. Um, very simply, it's for me, it's using art to start conversations in communities, um, particularly the Black community, uh, often around issues directly affecting Black women or Black youth. Um, but I think artivism takes its own shape for whomever you're talking to. So I always say even more, kind of shifting into my role as a performer, it's becoming more nuanced. I'm, I'm learning that I'm not heavy on the art or heavy on the activism. I really just leave with the healing and we don't assume the position of mental health professionals, even though I do have a, a background in clinical social work. Rather, I like to create spaces for people to acknowledge that there's healing that needs to take place um, and connect them to the resources to take that journey towards healing if that's something 
and that they want to do. And we go way back to our University of Michigan days, and I know you to be an amazing entertainer and artist um, in that regard. How were you able to take those skills and then turn that into Heal Be Live and then start that healing process through entertainment and art? Oh, good question. You see, like you do this, you do this. <laughs> um, that is a really layered question. So the cliff notes is it's basically been a lot of trial and error, a lot of rejection, and a lot of like God just not letting up. Um, and what I mean by that is I had a gift for acting very early on. Um, sixth grade is when it kind of had an opportunity to manifest. We had the century play. Uh, shout out to Bernie Middle School and Mrs. Canty, Claudia Canty. Um, and then I followed that throughout high school. And then when it came time to really start going to college, people were like, that's not a real career, you know, acting that's not going to be very sustainable. And so as the people pleased that I was, I shifted away from it. Uh, when I got to school, I stayed away from the arts. Every now and then I would do something, but I wasn't really, you know, big on it. Uh, and so wind up getting four degrees, <laughs> trying to piece things together. Uh, bachelor's in psychology, bachelor's in English, master's in social work, master's in education policy and leadership. And by the time I graduated, I was just very angry. Um, and I went to this social justice retreat of all things and acted a fool. Uh, all of the anger that I had been, um, I got triggered one good time and sort of just shut the whole thing down. Um, and my friends who were social workers was like, Morgan, this is not healthy. You're angry. And I was like, I'm not angry. Like, if you could do one thing without the fear of failing, what would it be? And the first thing that came up was acting. So after I got all these degrees, I started acting full time. And then I got very dissatisfied with the roles or lack thereof that were available to Black women. Um, they lacked substance and they they weren't substantial. And then that led me to writing. And then... That led to having to produce it and then it just led to okay we need a place to kind of showcase these things but i wasn't just comfortable with the performance i wanted to talk about what we were talking about and acting started for me as a lifeline uh i start i was and everybody knows this who follows me Came severely depressed at the age of 12, started self-harming at the age of 12, all the way up to the age of 19. Um, still um, have an ongoing battle with depression. And so acting really was a lifeline. It was the way that I was tapping into emotions and things of that nature. So when it came time to do the work, I wanted to create spaces for people to actually talk about what was coming up by way of the work. That makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. And I noticed that some of the videos of yours of different projects or um, productions that you had put on, it was people, it seemed like people were really moved by the content that was happening and being engaged in the actual production. So can you tap into a little bit about the healing that happens during these different um, events or, or productions that you put on and the type of changes you may have seen for people who um, participated. Yeah, um, and this is why I led with you being a, a, a man of character. <clears throat> I think the healing, the healing part kind of came just because I think the motive behind it was pure. Um, I didn't really plan for that. It was just, I was creating projects that would one, create a space for me to exist in roles that I believe in, but also cover content that I was grappling with. So the first play that I wrote, a full length play that I wrote is called Waking Up Alive, which is a term used in the mental health community for incomplete suicide attempts. So someone attempts to take their life and they wake up alive. And so that play was about a black minister who had an incomplete suicide attempt and upon returning to the church to work, they rejected her. Um, and that was just me grappling with all these years of being depressed, of being a Christian. And what does it mean if you're depressed and you have God or do you not have enough faith and all that, all that jazz. So when I presented it and people were having very strong reactions to it and our first talk back was really just supposed to be people giving feedback when someone started talking about how they related to the to the story as someone who had gone through this and were was very moved by the choices that I made because I didn't map out how this person attempted. We kind of start after. Once I kind of gave people the space to start talking about how they were experiencing the piece, that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is really having an impact on people greater than I would have anticipated. You know, it was just me kind of flowing out of my pain. Um, but I think I really started to see it on the second project, which was telling our stories, which was I interviewed um, 27 black women in America had about 72 hours of footage and out of that craft this play. But the process of interviewing these women, um, I'll give you an example. This one lady, she was in her 70s when I interviewed her. And she she was just bragging as we were going through her house about how she had this camera and that camera and she just loved cameras. I was like, well, you got a lot of cameras. And we were talking and she was talking about like sibling rivalry and how one this one Christmas she had asked for this camera and her dad didn't get her a camera, but somehow it wound up her sister got this camera. And I was just like, oh, wow, I wonder, you know, just casually, I wonder if your like love for all these cameras came from that, you know, that time you didn't get that camera. And she just, I <laughs> she just stopped. She was like, oh my God. And I'm like, this happening she starts crying and it was just a lot of those moments um as i became more intentional about it i saw that it was a healing process for these black women but then when i put it in on the stage and these black women started seeing these stories played back and that just took it to a whole nother level so when it comes to storytelling you had mentioned i saw a clip where you talked about 
your story, you don't have the right to pretty much hold on to your story because there could be healing in that. And, and with that, it can help somebody out essentially, which is a big part of why I want to do what I'm doing now with the podcast, talking to people uh, like yourself and helping people kind of get their stories out there. So I wanted to know if you could talk a little bit more about what you meant by in that statement and what you were telling that group about why it's important to release your story. I'm just so impressed by you. You just did your research. Look at, I just, oh, look at you. Look at you. Um, well, I'll say at a spiritual level, the reason why that principle works is they overcome by the power of your testimony. So that's something that has existed long before I encapsulated. But I was at this this fellowship and this woman said, unique but universal. Um, the reason that you can be very particular about telling your unique and individual stories because people universally can connect to the humanity of your individual story. So that's kind of what sparked that clip. Um, but when I was interviewing these Black women, what I found was a lot of them were like, I don't have a story to tell. You know, there's nothing really spectacular or special about my story. And then when I would kind of play it back to them, they would kind of see, oh, wait, there is some value there. Or when they saw it played out in front of other people and individuals were seeing themselves in that story, they were grateful that someone had articulated their experience and that they could kind of expound on that. Um, I've just seen one that people don't think that their their full story has any value. Um, the, the the bits and pieces of it that feel uh, especially spectacular or had the most profound experience on them, those are the ones that they tend to focus on. But I think that's why a lot of times people struggle to bear fruit because we only get the product and we don't really get the process. Um, and so those young girls, you know, they got roped into doing this workshop, you know, for a, for a school assembly. And I just dared them, just, just tell one story that feels significant to you. And, um, one young lady, and this this always comes up, talked about the loss of their grandparent. And that sparked another person, another person then, by the end of that clip, you saw that the young lady was, was crying. And the other part of that is when we're holding on to our stories, we often don't know who is connected to us, um, who can bear witness to that story. And that I think is what leads to suffering in silence, which is another thing that I'm very passionate about coming against because I was a silent sufferer. I mean, I wonder how many years of damage could have been undone if someone was interested in my story at 12 years old or 14 years old or 16 years old or 19 years old. Um, and so, now I'm like on this quest to like get people to just tell their stories. Um, and I'm just, I, I'm giving life when I see how, when I see people see how significant um, their stories are. And speaking of telling stories, I want to get more into He'll Be Live. When did that start? 
what services do you provide? What type of organizations have you worked with? Give us the rundown of, of the business and tell us your business story. It was downloaded, I believe, from God. It was like, okay, cool idea. Kill be live. A little lame, but okay, you know, whatever. Um, and this is why I, whew, God is so interesting because it just felt random. And then as I started putting the pieces together, okay, heal. In order to live, you must first be, or to be, you must first heal. So I led with the healing. And then I saw, again, as I took on different projects, that people were struggling to just be. They just didn't know. They know how to be a human doing, but they don't know how to be a human being. And then that was stopping them from really kind of maximizing life, right? You can survive or you can thrive. So that live piece. Um, so the idea is that they all take place in individual spaces, but the three periods is the ellipses, which it's a continual process. Um, so that's what I made sense of it. So 2017, I was on my way to New York. I had felt like I had kind of paid my dues here. I've been trying to get to New York for a couple of years. I felt like, ah. God was telling me, don't do it, don't do it. I get to New York, chasing after some raggedy dude, um, as well as like, okay, I got linked up with this theater company. So, you know, I'm putting this whack relationship to rest, but also like trying to take on um, this new level of my acting career. And I got to New York and I hated it. I had this dream in my head for New York for five years and I got there and I hated it. And I remember getting on a on the plane. I don't know why I did that because I wasn't driving the plane, but I got on the plane and I was crying. I was like, God, you changed my dream and you didn't even tell me. That's a little whack. And so got here, that sent me into another bout of depression. And um I had found out I was working with these kids at Denby High School in 2016. And heading into our performance, I found out that a young man that I had gone to church with, his mom had taken her life by suicide. And I had already started writing Waking Up Alive in like 2015. I was like, I don't know why my response to like trauma and things always are, it just always is. I'm like, I gotta finish that play. Like we gotta we gotta start talking about these issues. Put it aside. And when I came back from New York, something was like, finish this play. Let's finish this play. Did the play, did a reading of it just to get people's feedback. And then that's when people like, oh my gosh, you need to start a company. My mentor was like, you need to start a for-profit company, like something to help like do productions for this. What would you call it? And I was like, well. I think it'll be like he'll be lived. She's like, okay, that's interesting. And so that's how that all came to be. So it started in 2017 um, after New York failed. And now I understand like the next year, he'll be lived like exploded. I got this grant, I got these projects, we got accepted into the TED, it's the, uh, the TED Talk exhibit. Um, was doing all these different fellowships. Um, so we <clears throat> did something at the University of Michigan. Um, and it's still been and still is me kind of figuring out how these pieces 
uh, sit together. And the reason I say God is so interesting is recently he revealed to me during another about a depressive episode of like, like he'll be live his my life journey. Like the healing, the learning, like I said, to be a human being and not wrapping my value in what I produce, what products I produce. And then finally, through that process, I can access like living. Um, so, I mean, we've been blessed to work with a lot of different organizations. Uh, just finished a fellowship with 4.0 Essentials, uh, went to, linked up with uh, professors from uh, Eastern Michigan University and uh, Cal State Long Beach this year to go to Puerto Rico and present at um, the ASH conference. Is that when I ran into you at the airport? Yeah, I was coming back from Puerto Rico. <laughs> Big time. Big time. I was coming back from Puerto Rico, uh, working on a project called the Black Student Advocacy Project, which is a, uh, advocating for Black students on predominantly white institutions, uh, at predominantly white institutions. Um, was able to present to the Bermuda Union of Teachers this year. Um, so it's just, it's just flowing, you know. Um, so our, in terms of our services, I, I'm always very transparent that we're still figuring that out. Um, we infuse art into spaces that need to address issues. Um, so that is our angle. Um, like University of Michigan, I did this cultural appropriation presentation of 150 people just at this exhibit and you know, we used theater and poetry and song and dance to talk about cultural appropriation. So if people, you know, raise concerns or want to talk about a particular issue, then it's my job to figure out how art can lead us into that conversation. So we work with Northwestern University School of Law. They, they were sort of justice uh, class wanted to bring us on so we talked about the power of storytelling and uh, work with uh, people who have gotten certified, gotten uh, continuing education credits um, through a project that I worked on called The Witch, uh, which is talking about trauma among Black youth in educational settings. So it just, it goes on and on. I just pretty much accept the projects that I feel led to accept. And um, we're in the process of solidifying our consistent offerings. In general, how can people heal through art? Art releases your inhibitions. Art is soul work. It, it taps into your subconscious, not in a red rising sort of way. It just taps into your into your subconscious. You're not leading oftentimes with your with your mind. So you're having to kind of tap into um, your soul, I, I feel. Um, and so I think once people get out of their heads and they're not focused on like what they have to produce and they're just able to kind of just show up with whatever comes up and we can kind of talk through that, I think that's what gives them permission to acknowledge whether they need the healing or not, and then to acknowledge what the barriers are to that healing, whether it's other people or themselves or the structures that they live in, and then also acknowledge if they want to, like I said before, pursue the path of healing. Got you. Got you. And 
<laughs> I don't know how much um, research that you've done on the show, but uh, it's time for my favorite portion of Black Fridays, which is Freestyle Fridays. So, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a beat for you. And um, I, oh, I, this uh, is not going to go well. As, a, as an entertainer, as a performer, <laughs> a poet, a writer, uh, we'll get that to it a little bit later. Um, yeah, I need you to give me some bars. I have no bars. Okay. Okay. Well, good for you. Lucky for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh you don't have to rap it all on Freestyle Fridays. It's okay. a random assortment of questions. They all about you. So you shouldn't okay. get it wrong. And only got two rules. You gotta answer every question and you answer honestly. Oh, okay. Can I it's pass and answer? No, not at all. Yeah, oh. we don't we don't do that here, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so first question. This is a layup. Apples or oranges? Apples. Mm, okay, I'm definitely an orange person, but not the mm, not like, the heavy mm after that answer. <laughs> I like apples too. I like both, but I prefer oranges. Oranges are um, too acidic. This this should be a good one. Music festival or Broadway? Neither. Mm. Which one do you prefer over the other? I guess Broadway. I'm probably more of, of that line of thinking too. I don't, I like music fest. I don't like music festivals. I like concerts. So mm. yeah, I don't, I don't need to be standing outside for three days, dirty. <laughs> I'm good. I rarely ever listen to a full song. I have, um, once I get what I need, I'm on to the next thing. Really? Yeah. So to just sit and listen to music playing, I can't, I'm a lyrics person. So yeah. Okay. Uh, do you prefer to take selfies or group pictures? Selfies. Control the narrative. Mm. <laughs> understood. Understood. Um, most embarrassing moment that you had while performing? I will say when I was in elementary school, I was a cheerleading mascot and I did a flip on the way off the floor and fell. <laughs> <laughs> that was my scripted. <laughs> I just remember getting up and looking. I don't know why you you know everybody saw, but you get up and you look around to like confirm who saw it. And everybody, it was everybody. <laughs> it was everybody. <laughs> no bruises. I was for sure. Since we take it back, just taking it back to elementary. I, I'll share an embarrassing moment performing for myself um, in fourth or fifth grade we didn't go outside for recess we used to stay indoors and we would do like a mini talent show for whatever reason so like whatever class was supposed to be outside you stay indoors in the auditorium do like a mini talent show i stayed up all night trying to record 50 cents in the club a clean version this is back in the early 2000 it's like gotta be 2003 2004 2003 and I tried to, um, I, you had to put the recorder in the tape and then like try to um, record off the radio. And then I <laughs> yes, thought I had yeah. it. I thought I had it. I've been listening to the radio all day. I thought I finally had it. Get to school the next day, put the tape in, tape not working. So I had to go and, and perform. I was so hyped up to perform. And I had, you had the clean version and everything. I know all the lyrics. Tape not working. So I had to do a cappella. And uh <laughs> You know, I felt cool at the moment. They clapped for me, but, you know, I definitely was hurting a little bit on the inside because I couldn't really get my, my full performance off. So You couldn't uh, really vanilla. Yeah, yeah. I had to really, it was me rapping the whole time. It was just me. 
I'm interested in why that song choice. Well, you know. Um, no, I don't. We'll move along to the next question. Something that you got in trouble for as a child. Ooh. Do you want to know the whooping that scarred me? Or do you want to, what do you, I don't know, what is this question? Whatever you like to share. Something that you got in trouble for as a child. First grade, Miss Baxter. I got in trouble the day before for talking. I had to get my assignment notebook signed. My mom gave me a pass. She told me, you know what? Today's a good day. Just don't let this happen again. Cool. I made it the whole next day. That next day, silent. Like, I wasn't going to take any chances. We were in the last, like, stretch of class. And I still remember the names of every person that was involved in this, so I'm not going to do that. This gentleman in my class fell asleep, you know, the last stretch of the day. He kept falling asleep, so my teacher told him to go to the bathroom to freshen up, put some water on his face. About 10 minutes later, (laughs) he still hadn't come back, so... It like hit my teacher and she was like, where is so-and-so? And under my breath, very quietly, I just say, you probably fell asleep on the toilet. And so I don't know why the young lady next to me thought that was the funniest thing in the world. But she said, what'd you say? That's literally how she signed. I said, nothing. She said, what? What did you hear? What did she say? Literally. She said he fell asleep on the toilet. And she goes, what? And she literally laughs at her. And my teacher's like, what, 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 what? And I'm just like, the whole time, I'm like, no, 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 please, 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 no, 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 no. She's like, Morgan, hand me your notebook. Hand her the notebook. Writes a little note. I have latchkey that day. I'm like out frolicking. And then it hit me. Oh, no. This is my last day on earth. I should probably take a moment to just take this in. And so, you know, it's always when you know you get in trouble, your parents show up and they got the best attitude. They want to go get ice cream. And I didn't even want to prolong it. I just told my mom, I got another note in the thing. She was dead silent. And we got to, we were living at the time, the door opened. And I don't remember anything after that. Okay. We were waking up the next day, very well rested, very, very well rested. Um, and I didn't get in trouble anymore. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. And yeah. look at you now. Young death row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at me now. <laughs> What's the most random job you ever had? I passed out in my modeling days, quote unquote, I passed out. Um, like samples at one of Oprah's like conventions. So you calculate a person. Nothing's too random. Oh, so you, there was a there was a purpose behind you passing out stuff for Oprah. It wasn't like you just happened to be working for Oprah. Yeah, I just wasn't. Everything I was trying to, anytime I was involved in a job, I was actively trying to resist whatever my gift was. So I had to be very intentional about it. Very interesting. So do you text Oprah Austin or how does that work? No, we never saw no Oprah. Oh, okay. They paid on time though. And that's and that's what we need to know. That's all that matters. All that matters. 
<laughs> What's your favorite place to visit? Ironically, now it is New York. <laughs> wow. it just, God just disrupted it for that seat because I went back in 2018 and loved it again. So he just literally, I was not able to be there then because of what needed to take place in 2018. But New York, because you don't need a car there. I can get around. I know enough people there. The subway. Strong second would be London. That's my favorite place of all time. Um, it's just too far. Very fancy. Yeah. What's the song that you have on repeat right now? The last song that brought me a lot of joy was Wild Thoughts by, <laughs> by Rihanna. I don't know. It's just <laughs> the wordplay. It's the wordplay. Once Bryson Tiller, whatever his name comes on, I'm over it. And that's when I go to the next song. Hold on. What we're not going to do is we're not going to disrespect Bryson. Bryson did his thing. I'm sorry. He served I'll never put a black man down in public. We're not going to disrespect Bryson. That's what we're not gonna do. <laughs> secondly, secondly, we need to update your playlist. So we need to we need to work on that. That was a while ago. I'm loyal. About seven years ago. We I'm got, loyal. We got to work on that. So we're from Detroit. Um, this is a uh, Detroit proper. I only say that because people always rep Detroit that haven't actually like been bred by Detroit. And I think that's disrespectful. So I was born in Detroit, but I was primarily raised in Southfield. So I say Southfield. Detroit too, basically. So, okay. uh, <laughs> but the, the question remains the same. Very <laughs> question here on Black Fridays. I need to know when you pull up to Coney Island, what is your Coney order? breakfast there's nothing like eggs nothing like a coney breakfast yeah three eggs gotta be three eggs i do like the white toast with the butter and the strawberry um strawberry jam um i always get pancakes because i can eat them later and with the three meats you know it's the ham sausage patty and bacon. Okay, we'll hot sauce on the eggs. Too. Okay, all right, we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, and then, do you have a favorite quote? Um, Dolly Parton, find out who you are and do it on purpose. What does that mean to you? It means that you have to play an active role in figuring out who you tell the world you are. <clears throat> and I think the importance of being purposeful about it is that there will always be someone ready to shape how you present yourself. So you have, I learned that when I started acting, I have to be very key and very aware of how I want to show up and what I want my reputation to be and what I want my standards to be because there's always someone in the wings ready to mold that for me. Dope. Dope. Well, thank you for sharing that and thank you for engaging in my shenanigans on Freestyle. Oh, so you, you passed. So congratulations to you. 
And uh, another segment that I like to do is called the Friday Flex. This is an opportunity for you to give yourself a pat on the back for anything that you accomplished most recently or anything that comes to a recent memory. Just want to give you the opportunity to shout yourself out, big yourself up. Oftentimes, we don't get a chance to do that. So I want to give you the, the floor to do so. Um, uh, the project that's most reeling right now is The Witch, which stands for Wound Intervention Through Care and Healing. And it is based on one of the best moments in times of my life, which is when I was working as a behavior specialist at Denby High School. Um, those are my favorite students. I love those students to life. Um, and they thought I was a witch. You'd have to watch the play to figure out how that all went down. Um, but they thought I was a witch. Um, and my experience there for four years, I've been trying to create a piece dedicated to that moment of time. So, um, in 2021, April 28th, 2021, um, <clears throat> I premiered a one person show, um, for that play of 30 minutes on zoom. Cause we were all still, uh, in the midst of the pandemic. And, uh, since then that piece I've, Art of Vision Park. I've turned it into um, a professional development tool for mental health professionals and educators. And this year, uh, in five months, really, we uh, touched over 240 people. Um, 100 people came to the premiere. It was the highest uh, attended premiere of that series. Um, we presented to over um, 100 and 40 uh, educators, like I said, in the U.S. and in Bermuda, and over 80 mental health professionals nationwide. Um, and 100% of people who completed the survey, which our numbers are high, at least 50 to 80% in every workshop have completed the survey. 100% have said that they would recommend the survey, the presentation to <clears throat> their colleagues, organizations, companies. So um, we've really done a really good job of talking about trauma, particularly with Black youth. And I think it was the most amazing was presenting to Bermuda because ACEs, which is Adverse Childhood um, Experiences, is very new to them. Uh, they just kind of started looking at it in 2018. Um, and so to go there and to be able to kind of speak to them about this kind of budding uh, research in their uh, country was pretty awesome. And to get the response and the respect from them and to have them say, we got to bring you to Bermuda. We got to get you out here. Um, that was pretty spectacular. <laughs> Phenomenal. And shout out to you for accomplishing that. And in the essence of Black Fridays, can you talk about why it's important for us as a community to support our Black creators, our Black businesses, and so forth? Um, I don't think people understand oftentimes the charge of a creative. Uh, <clears throat> we literally 
take something from the invisible realm and make it visible. Um, and and not only do we make it visible in terms of a, from a product or a service, but then we have to adjust it in a way that makes it visible to other people. Um, and again, like I said, some of us are Jonah in this process, like, and I, I'm putting entrepreneurs in that same, like they're all creative, creative to me. Um, sometimes it, they're just easier roads. Um, but the reason that we step into these positions is because for me, I'll speak from the eye. Um, I feel like there's something that God put in me. And the reason that it gnaws at me is because the world needs it. Uh, creatives, entrepreneurs are solving a problem in the world that only they are created to solve. And so <clears throat> I think it takes a lot of courage. It's a lot of sacrifice. Um, and when you step into the realm of a creative or entrepreneur, you're actually bearing witness to the thing that God used to gnaw at them and say, no, press in here. Um, and so that's why I'm fascinated by what people, what drives people. Um, because like, you know, with Black Fridays, like, first off, the name is so witty, you know, but just, I know you do your research, so just understanding like the culture and the history connected to that, but I mean, Denzel, you don't have to do Black Friday. Like, you got a job, you got degrees, like, but there's something about that. And to me, I'm interested in figuring out and tracking the journey of like, journey of like, why is that the thing that God used to gnaw at him? What is it that is going to be birthed out through Denzel that is addressing a problem that only he is meant to solve on this earth? And um, I think we're all creatives in a sense, but there are some of us who will be in the belly of a whale if we don't follow that. And so I think um, just out of respect for that process, people should support Black creatives um, <clears throat> and entrepreneurs. But I think at a spiritual level, we should really push into the journey of why a creative and an entrepreneur really had to bring, make this thing visible. Very well. I'm an English major. We don't know how to we always land a plane. We never park the car. Very well put. Very well put. And all of the wisdom that you dropped on us today and uh, stories that you shared with us, if people want to follow the journey, they want to support the brand and the business, where can they find you at? Give us your handles and your links and all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can go to www.healbelive.com. That's L-I-V-E, not believe. Healbelive.com. You can follow us on Instagram uh, at the at sign LLC or um, Facebook LLC. And what's next for Morgan? What's next for He'll Be Live? 
what do you see in your crystal ball for the future? <laughs> um, <clears throat> what's next for He'll Be Live is definitely uh, pushing more into the witch. I think that's going to be our staple project uh, for 2021, uh, just because <clears throat> that project is really birthing some of the impact that I've been hoping to see with a lot of different projects. And because it's a one person show, a lot of the logistics around it are just kind of handled. So it's nothing that is waiting on other individuals to really reach the community. <clears throat> For me, um, really continuing to still push into why this is God's call for my life. And um, there's a project that is going to be released in March. I can't talk about it just yet, but <clears throat> it's definitely stretching me. Um, so it, it's a collaboration with a very, we're very blessed to be working. I, I don't belong in that room. I belong in it, but I, I'm not qualified to be in that room. So that's all God. Um, and, uh, but it's also going to be launching an, another He'll Be With project. So March, 2022. Nice. First-hand information. Nobody else knows that. So we love exclusive here on Black Friday. So appreciate <laughs> it. Definitely appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing more on that. When I ran into you at the airport, I told you we was going to make this happen and we did. Yeah. So I'm grateful we were able to uh, get on the podcast and learn more about your story and everything that you have going on. Uh, you already know, I, I think you're dope and everything that you have going on is dope. So I'm grateful other people can learn more and hear more about the things that you're working on. So thank you for joining us on, on Black Fridays today. Thank you, Denzel. And I'm very, very proud of you. Keep going. Keep following that voice inside of you. Keep trailblazing, um, powering through the resistance, uh, and keep sowing the seed. And continue to be that powerful Black man who's good soil to sow into. Very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. No doubt. And for all the listeners, uh, this has been another episode of Black Fridays and I'll tap in with y'all next week. <laughs>